The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 22 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. His name is Nick Gambino. So many of you may know Nick from Twitter. Um, he actually just had quite a bit of buzz going on last week-ish, maybe the week before. I don't know what time is anymore, but we recorded this last week. But um, he just won the Best Drama Feature Award at Austin Film Festival, which is a huge deal. Um, and I was very excited to get him on in like the immediate aftermath of this achievement uh, to have him on just to talk about like, you know, what was it like? How was Austin? Um, what is going on in your world? Because as many of you probably know, whenever you win a competition or place high in a prestigious competition... You might start getting some emails from, you know, managers, agents, uh, even prodcos who want to talk to you, get to know you, and perhaps, you know, make a working relationship with you. So Nick is a great dude. His script is called The Fuck It List, which I love the name. I love the logline even more. I'll let him tell you more about it in the episode. Um, if you like what you hear, guys, go ahead and give us a shout on social media, on Twitter, or wherever the fuck anyone is going anymore. I don't know if it's Mastodon, I don't know if it's TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, but if you're on Instagram, I'm on there, same handle, at Andy Compton underscore, also at Social Writer Pod, we're on Instagram, um, so hit me up. Yeah, guys, give us a shout on social media if you like what you hear in this episode. And also, if you like what you hear in the podcast, you can uh, donate and it helps us out a lot. You know, just a few bucks if you could uh, go to our Linktree link and our bio on social media at Social Writer Pod and you'll see a PayPal link. Uh, click it. It's all legit. You can give me a few bucks. Uh, it just takes a while to, you know, record and edit and put these things together. So I really appreciate the help. That's it, guys. Let's hop in here with Nick Gambino. Nick Gambino, welcome to the show. Hey. Thank you. Sorry for the lack of deep cuts behind me. These are oh know, no, those uh, Back to the Future and Raiders. And then I got a uh, Beverly Hills Cop over there. I mean, classics. But people classics. always like classics, but they're not like deep cuts, so they don't make me seem like a real nerd. Yeah. I Well, I mean, mine either. I have Parasite up here and then Short Term 12, which is really faded. I bought it off eBay yeah. from some sketchy fucking person. It wasn't a legitimate poster. And uh, it, it doesn't look very good. But then I have uh, a replacement for it coming this week. What did I buy? Um Oh my God, I can't remember the poster I bought, but it's one I'm really excited about. Yeah. Uh, and then I have a Stanley Cup St. Louis Blues uh, thing Ooh. right there. We won one cup in 60-something years or 50 years, so yeah, that's my pride and joy. Uh, anyway, though, so we were talking a little bit for about 30 seconds before I hit record here for everyone listening about um, your big week. So you won Austin Film Festival with a script that you wrote. I did. It was yeah, crazy. Did, so, did you win like yeah, a genre award, or was it the I entire the, thing? Uh, there is no winning an entire thing in Austin. Uh, yeah, I won the drama feature category. 
Incredible. Um, yeah. 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 And so, your script is called the fuck it list, which I the love. Fuck it list. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. could you give a log line real quick for everyone sure. listening? Sure. Uh, fuck it list is basically about um, a down on his luck schlub who's sick of life, decides to kill himself and just, dis- you know, discovers he can't die. So that's, that's that is one of those pitches line. that sells itself. That is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of has like happy death day vibes a little bit, but a different yeah. way. Right. Right. And um, I, you know, there, yeah. there's two different ways I could have gone with it too. Um, you know, I could have gone straight comedy with it, mm-hmm. you know, which was actually my original intention when I, when I came up with it, I was like, oh, I'm just going to like do a straight comedy. And I was like, it's too sensitive a subject. Yeah. To just be like, laugh, 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 laugh. Which mm-hmm. is why it ended up winning the drama feature category. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I used to promote it as, oh, it's a comedy. And I'm like, this shit is heavy. Like, it's a dark yeah. ass script and there's a lot yeah. of dramatic elements, but it also, you know, kind of balances it with the, with the humor and the comedy as well. So it's definitely, it's a dramedy, if you like that word. I do. Yeah. Well, I hate it because I feel like everyone judges me negatively on it, but that's like the, uh, the feature I have that has done the most for me is, um, a lot of funny in in it, Uh, bellyache actually. But I mean, you can make the same argument for suplex, but bellyache, uh, it very much centers on, um, the, uh, lack of availability of public school lunches, like how a lot of kids who, for whatever reason, their parents don't have money or their parents aren't giving them lunch money. Uh, a lot of these kids go hungry at school, little, little kids. And uh, a lot of cafeteria workers are forced to take the food away from kids who don't have money, which just seems shitty in America. But um, there's a lot of funny in it. And it's it's there's a ton of comedy in it. But I, I hesitate to call it a comedy because there's so much um, of a real world issue. I mean, much like, you know, suicide in your script. Right. Um, yeah. So it's like, you have to find that balance. I found that out pretty early writing it like, Oh, this is going to need to tip the scale. Uh, it's good. I'm going to need to find balance rather than tipping the scale one way or the other. Um, so yeah, cause also with these dark subjects, you do want to add levity. So you do want to add a little bit of comedy. Um, I like to think that it's a lot like life, you know, like, uh, a lot of times when things are going really, really shitty in your life, there's still one really stupid thing that happens that you can just laugh at because you're like, yeah. oh my God, e- either it's something that was funny and uplifting or like, oh my God, it can actually get worse. That is hilarious because things right. are already so bad. And then, you know, my car breaks down. Of course it did. Right. Um, I'd almost argue that you need the comedy, the humor, you need to laugh. Like that's that's where the real catharsis and therapy is. Like until you yeah. reach that point, I'm not sure you can release the hurt. Like mm. I actually talked about that a little bit in my acceptance speech. I was like, you know, I grew up in Hell's Kitchen, New York, where it was really in the 80s and 90s. It was not a uh, not a happy place. It's sure. a lot of human human misery. But there was like something you find in those areas where it's like a lot of uh, people snapping on each other and just like humor and a lot of funny. And mm-hmm. I think it's a response to kind of the agony that kind of surrounds you. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely uh, for many of us, you know, our love of comedy or our own ability to be funny is a trauma response. Yeah, it's uh, for many people. Um, I know I fall onto that spectrum in some sense. But um, yeah, anyway, congratulations. That is so incredible, dude. Um, That's such a huge win. And, you know, snooping on your cover fly, I did see, too. Just to throw this out there for people listening, and I'm sure you've already thought of this, that there were varying levels of placement in different contests for this script. 
And it's really yeah. interesting because Austin is one of the most prominent festivals, most prestigious festivals there is. And right. you won the genre award. So it like, and then you might've been, you know, a quarter finalist in a contest that was considered much less prestigious. Yeah. Um, oh, which is oh, just oh, interesting sure. to me always. It's but, so subjective. It's yeah. insane. Like that's why this whole thing feels like a lottery. Like I just won this major award and it's like, mm-hmm. it was so surreal just sitting there and then I'm saying my name. It was like the whole thing. Like, I don't, I don't understand Like this doesn't happen to me. Like it's not supposed to go down yeah. this way. This somebody wrote this script wrong. Like this is because yeah. it, it is so subjective. And, um, you know, this script has had various, I, I don't, I don't enter a lot of contests. I really don't mm-hmm. like, I, yeah. if I, oh, enter yeah, there wasn't that three, many on your cover fly. Yeah. So maybe let's say three to five a year, if that, and it's yeah. usually the big, bigger stuff. Or mm-hmm. if I have some random thing where I'm like, Oh, let me just throw it into this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I would say that the two things that worked for me this time around is I did do a quick, every year, I think you, you improve as a writer, as long as you're constantly writing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I decided to do a quick rewrite right before I submitted this to Austin and I just tightened it up and I just, I don't know, I just made it a better read. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I submitted it as a drama instead of a comedy. That's what I had submitted it to in the past. I, everything that pretty much you see on there was submitted as a comedy. Mm. And I don't, you know, I think that was wrong. Like it was bad marketing is really what it was. Yeah. So. It, it, it's hard too with those dramedy scripts. Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned suplex, suplex, very funny, very silly animated people who are doing this backyard wrestling thing, a lot of weird characters and it's silly. But um, there's also a kid who lives in an abusive home in this story. So that's, you know, like, again, needing to find balance rather than tipping straight into, oh, this is slapstick. It's like, if I want it to be slapstick as a writer, the responsible thing would be to remove the traumatic elements um, that are a little too real for this. You you don't... um, (laughs) Actually, I take that back. I was going to say you don't see a lot of like kids programming with you know, darker elements, but now we're entering this really interesting time of like, you know, Pixar really pushing the envelope on kid stories. And it's fucking incredible what they're doing. Soul. I'm like, this guy died, like straight up died. And we watch him die. And I was like, what is happening? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. But I was like, I don't, I mean, yes, we, we saw traumatic deaths with our kids. There's just something about it was just way more uh, real, like something about it. Yeah, yeah. The storytelling is just off the charts now with yeah. a lot of those kids. Like uh, Up, you know, the first 10 minutes of Up makes me cry, oh, grown man. And I every time, you know, yeah. it makes me sad. Yeah. Um, but then we're ready to go on this journey with this man. Um, but like we had The Lion King, the animated version, which was like uh, the death of... Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, actually. Oh, yeah. Have, yeah, I'll cut. The, I'll bleep it. Thank you. Thank um, you. 20, 28 years later, we're afraid of the spoiler. Yeah. Exactly. And one weird live action version of it. Remake live action, uh, quote unquote. Definitely. Um, so yeah, uh, but anyway, I agree with that. So I want to take it back because you mentioned growing up in Hell's Kitchen and yeah. Um, so what wh- when did you get into screenwriting? Like what was that journey like for you? Did you write as a kid? I wrote a little bit as a kid. Uh first mm-hmm. screenplay I ever wrote. Um was when I was 11, I wrote a, a, a Blues Brothers 3 because Blues Brothers 2000 had just come out and I was like, what have they done to my beloved Blues Brothers? So uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to write this wrong and I'm going to write a script and Jim Belushi is going to play Jake because he looks enough like John Belushi. We're going to do this. 
And uh, that was my first attempt at screenwriting. I was 11. And then after that, I wrote Scream 2. Uh-huh. Uh, Scream, 2, Scream 2 hadn't come out yet. So I wrote Scream 2. That was this terrible. This is so fascinating right now. Keep it's going. So, <laughs> it's so, I'm, like, I'm embarrassed for myself saying it out loud. And then no, I, wrote, I mean, it's awesome. And then I wrote a parody of uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, which makes no sense. Who does a parody of a, of a comedy, right? So yeah. I was like, <laughs> I thought it was, you know, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 is one of my favorites. And, you know, that whole mm-hmm. opening scene where, uh, or kind of the opening scene where Eddie's getting dressed and he like, you know, pulls his gun out in the mirror. I was like, this is the coolest thing. Like, what if a nerd was doing this? And I was just kind of like, it was, it was so bad. And I, I yeah. found these things recently and I was reading them. And I'm like, I should burn these. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Yeah, but they have to be kind of wholesome now. Kind of a wholesome oh, thing. Sure. You're like, <laughs> if you can't, if you guys can't see Nick. It was like, no, no, horrifying. No. Uh, nope. no, that that's amazing though. Cause like, I remember too, um, I was born in 88. So like the nineties were my prime years of childhood. Okay. And, uh, okay, cool. Yeah. And I remember scream like being such a huge movie to me. Um, I've watched it over and over and over. Luckily I had parents who would let me watch horror movies, um, for better or worse. Uh, I think, uh, I had a lot of sleepless nights as a kid because of, uh, we running through all the nightmare on Elm streets and all the Halloweens, yes. all those all shitty scenes. But I didn't think they were shitty back then. I loved them all. The second one is underrated, by the way. The second Which Halloween one? in the hospital, Halloween. Yeah, two, uh, dude. In the hospital where that same yeah. night where you go, that's underrated. Amazing. And I love that they did a sequel. That's it's still all the same night as the first yeah. one. Like, I, yeah. that's just cool to me because that feels like a big swing in itself. But yeah, that one rules. I love Halloween, too. Um there's been later it's so funny that franchise has just gone so mad um nowadays but also i love every new iteration of uh yeah let's do michael myers again i will always be seated in the theater to see the new ones though amazing um but uh okay cool so you were kind of writing these reimaginings of movies that you loved which is really cool and you're definitely working those creative muscles um, what was your first like real attempt of like, you know what, I want to do this, like an actual written by Nick Gambino original story. Okay. So you have to jump forward a lot at that point. Okay. So again, I grew up on movies like anybody that's not like a, an interesting origin story, but like mm-hmm. you, uh, my parents let me watch anything. Like my mm-hmm. dad didn't believe in censorship. He took me to the 42nd street theaters growing up and we'd watch whatever he wanted to watch. And they mm-hmm. were some of the most insane shit. And I was like three, four, five, six, seven, like young mm-hmm. as shit watching like R rated insane things. So I grew up yeah. like on a steady, steady diet of, uh, movies, also hip hop. Like I grew up in hell's kitchen and that's just all I was playing. I was like addicted. I still am. That's like yeah. 95% of what I listen to is not eighties and nineties hip hop. I love so, East Coast hip hop, especially. Oh man, yeah. New York! I'm, right. I'm very jealous. I know. Yeah, yeah. You guys were the mecca. I want to move to New yeah. York and just wear like a black hoodie and Tim's every day <laughs> and just be a New York hip hop guy. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. For sure. Like growing up, <laughs> Tang, Mob Deep, um, you know, Rakim, Nas. Like yeah. I remember when Tribe Called Quest out. is one of my favorites. Tribe Called Quest, yes. Yeah. Oh Amazing. man, like yep. All of those, uh, you know, Midnight Marauders is probably top five for me. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Bonafide classic. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew yeah. up like with these two influences kind of like just driving me. And then I got away from it. Cause I was like, well, that's not real life. You don't, you don't pursue art, the arts, like, mm-hmm. you know, so I got away from that, but I would say 2010, my 25th birthday, got my, uh, I got a laptop 
and I got a uh, screenwriting software. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get away from whatever else life has become. And I'm going to get back to my first love, what I always wanted to do. Yeah. And, uh, I would say 2013 is when I got serious though. Like I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to really, I was putzing around with it, doing little things, trying to write scripts. They were terrible. They were bad. They were cliche. The dialogue was stilted. Mm-hmm. 2013, I was like, I'm going to buckle down. I actually pivoted, um, became a freelance writer specifically just to work my writing muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything's going to be geared towards screenwriting. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, I think the moment when I was like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do professionally. And I'm not going to give up until I'm there. Well, mm-hmm. well I'm not going to give up when I'm there either. Like I'm going to keep going. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I think so it's 2013, but I didn't get good until 2018. So I was mm-hmm. writing, writing, writing features, shorts and everything like that. 2018 was the first time I wrote something that, that I didn't cringe writing yeah. when I, I could read it back and go, Oh shit, this is, this is good. And yeah. up until that point, everything I wrote, I was like, I didn't want to share with anybody. I didn't, I thought it was terrible. I, I knew it was terrible. And that's a, that's one thing I've always hated. Like that, that feeling of being incompetent. Like, yeah. I, oh, hate yeah. being, I hate being bad at something. Me too. But, but I think hopefully that's the impetus of the drive to get good at it. It's because I, I hate that growing and that, that, that place where I'm like, I'm not good at this and I want to be good. And I'm telling people I'm doing this and they're like, Oh, I want to read it. And I'm like, Nah, nah. Yeah, but it's interesting though to have that perspective though, because I'm kind of like okay. that too. Of, um, I, I've actually had a ton of hobbies that I got very, very deep into in my life. You know, like skateboarding and playing music and drums and guitar and all these things I really wanted to do professionally that I could just never get good enough at. But when I started it, it's like, this is the next thing I'm going to get good at. And in my mind, I was like, I am going to be a professional someday. It just didn't pan out. But um, like working, working, working while also understanding like I can't, you know, I'm not going to make a video of me doing this yet. But it was always yet. You know, it was always I am going to be good enough someday. And like, I think that's a really healthy mentality. Like you were talking about with um i can't let anyone see this but like i am not going to stop doing this until i arrive basically and like that's the mindset you need no matter what you're doing in life it's just like i'm just not good yet that's all it is like i'm gonna be someday if i keep working yeah Yeah. and if i was i was trying to do this when i was 21 i don't know if i would have had that kind of perspective but i'd been through enough in my life i started it so i was 2010 i was 25 2013 i was 27 going on 28 so Mm-hmm. I was a little bit older, like a little, yeah. I feel like if I was doing it, cause I wanted to go to film school when I was like 18, like if I had really pursued that, that young, I think, I don't know that I would have stuck it out through the grind, through the, the not great, you know, I don't have what it takes, but I was old yeah. enough to know I've been through enough things. I've learned enough skills in life. I've gone through the process of being bad and then getting good at something that I knew I just needed to put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. We, we share that actually, I didn't go to film school until I was 28. Uh, actually I arrived at film school at 29. I did two years at community college and then went and did my next two years at film school. Um, 29 to 31, I was an older student, but like, yeah, it gave me a ton of perspective. And, um, I actually think that I was uh, a little bit more advanced in the types of stories I wanted to tell simply from having lived more life than many of my uh, fellow classmates for sure uh, a lot of them were 20 21 22 and like and they were writing good shit it's just like 
you know, you, you can add an emotional depth the older you get. I think that's something that's really excited about writers that are even, you know, older than us. Uh, there's a cool thing going around you've probably seen on Twitter called the gray list. Yeah, I saw that. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool and interesting. And like, yeah, it's I love hearing, you know, older writers. I've had a few reach out. They listen to the podcast and, uh, you know, they're, you know, in their 40s to 50s, some even older and um, really trying to get into screenwriting. And the cool thing is, is like as long as you learn the formatting, and you're you naturally have stories to tell like there's nothing the age doesn't matter in this field you know and if anything it's kind of a superpower because you've probably seen and been through a lot more than you know a 25 year old for sure oh absolutely like i I think it's it's and it's more about the written word obviously there's like are you good in the room is a a Mm -hmm. thing can you pitch Mm -hmm. yourself and that's it sucks that as generally introverted uh nerd writers as we are that they're like be good in a room too, speak good words and i'm like that's not fair yeah i know it's like shouldn't that be you know your hotshot agent who is all extrovert and all that's what they do they have a charm you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know um yeah you're right that's actually the really shitty thing about getting deeper into the profession of screenwriting and almost making it you know a paid regular gig is learning that whole other side there like it, yeah. the writing is the very first part and it's only one very you know i mean it's a significant piece but it's one piece of the puzzle for sure for sure it's, it sucks that that's my it, it uh, yeah, insightful yeah. thing that uh i'm gonna say <laughs> about that it sucks it, it sucks yeah and i mean you know i luckily had a little bit of sales background so it's not that i don't know how to do it it's just that you know, by default, I am an introvert, you know, and some people yeah. are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. know, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like all writers have that thing where they can go inside and just kind of like feel more comfortable in there. A hundred percent. God, dude, we have a lot in common. I I did yeah. a lot of time in customer service, just restaurants. So that's okay. why I can do it. Um, right. But yeah, naturally, I am an introvert. Um, right. Naturally, learn, I do learn skill, right? Like it's it a, is, you yeah, learn you... the skill. You push through it. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. learn how to talk to people um, when you like in sales and customer service, you want to get a tip. So there is something that you need to get from this person. So you know how to treat them and read their body language and personality. Right. Like, you know, uh, it's really funny. Sense. Hopefully it comes in handy when pitching. I've yet to pitch a project in a room. I've just done a lot of generals. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have you know, I've been working kind of like, uh, hustling, uh, on my own with, uh, more indie production companies. And I, mm-hmm. and I've done a lot, you know, with those ones and I've closed them, um, mm-hmm. not through reps, not studio level or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I haven't yet had to, you know, pitch the head of a studio or do something like that where I'm like, Jesus, yeah. You know, I, give us, give us your take on Halloween. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I haven't <laughs> right. even done the 90 second pitch thing they do in Austin. Cause I'm like, no way I'm not doing that. Where you get up in front of three judges at a table with a microphone and everybody behind you. And you're like 90 yeah. seconds pitch. I'm yeah. like, I'll never do that. We had to like, do pitches <laughs> in film school to like 20, a class of 20 kids. And that was, right. that felt shitty. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you tra- trailing off that. Um, do you currently have a rep? Uh, not currently. Well, I don't know when this podcast is going to drop, but I'm hoping by the time that happens. Yeah, I was going to say, because yeah, yeah. I looked on your cover fly, I was actually very surprised to see that you didn't have a manager right now. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's going to change <laughs> yeah. with this win. So good for you. Uh, 
a preemptive congratulations because it's going to happen. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't pursuing reps. I got a lot of mm-hmm. um, you know because like I said, I, I've done like several screenwriting contracts. Like I've been kind of hustling, doing my own thing, and um, mm-hmm. and I and I was like, let me just do that and let me show that I can write for money and you know just really kind of yeah do it on my own and mm-hmm. when it when it when i'm ready for it like uh, it'll come was kind of my thing and i've gotten advice from different people on, on that going i don't know why you need to be going like shooting like some people seem to make that a goal and it's a good goal i think mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure it's a milestone but it's like a it's a beginning step and i was just like you know so i've not really queried reps particularly like mm-hmm. maybe a handful this entire time like five or less yeah, just because it was on a whim, but yeah. it's not really been um, something I've pursued, but now with this win under my belt and just kind of ready to like get to the next level, I think it's a necessary step. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You, you're at the right moment to like, uh, that, that's kind of, I, I didn't query um, in 2020. I sent my first batch of queries. I sent the same generic message to 50 reps <laughs> uh just like a to whom it may concern type of thing which is right. a horrible mistake do not do that guys <laughs> if you're going to query make it a targeted query where you know something about this person that makes it relevant for you to be specifically contacting them tons of resources online uh um saeed crumpler's episode is really good for that uh, he queried his way into having management. So did Edith Rodriguez, who did an episode of this podcast. So you can listen to that too, but listen to this whole one first. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, for me, it was, um, uh, so I never queried after that. And then in 2021, I placed in the nickel and then, uh, shortly thereafter got some meetings and then landed a rep. So, um, awesome. kind of like you, you know, w- I mean, you went further, you won Austin, but, um, yeah. So uh, have you been yeah. having some manager meetings? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, I have another one uh, next hour or two. But yeah, I've been having nice. meeting uh, producers and managers reach out to me. I've been connected up. Uh, Roadmaps been hustling for me. They've been great, Joey. Over at Roadmap, you got me my rep. Fantastic. Yeah, they're yeah they're 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 built different. I really like yeah. them a lot. <laughs> me too. I, I connect, me too. Yeah, I hadn't really done much with them, and I connected with them in Austin. Actually, just ended up talking. They were they were the whole contingent of. They were all there, mm-hmm. and I was just different conversations, went out to lunch with a couple of them and just talking to them. And I was like, I really just love the human element yep. of this company. Like, yeah. you know, I think script pipelines, like the closest thing I've seen to that other than that, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, I, I, I like what they're doing. Like, cause I, a lot of these other companies, I don't know who runs it. I don't really know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I like, I, I like them a lot. So they've been, they've been yeah. hustling for me, which has been great. Yeah, totally agree. And yeah, I haven't had one-on-one conversations with Dorian Connolly, but she has been really sweet to me on Twitter. And then uh, Joey has just been incredible. Uh, Such a nice person, such a nice human. Um, Yeah. yeah, So cool. Anyway, rep is on the way. Uh, Let's get into a fun question that every writer loves. How would you describe your brand? That is a good question. Uh, It always is. Yeah, I was talking to actually Dorian about this at Austin and I was like, this wasn't a question 10 years ago. Like we like we weren't getting this question, like brand yourself. What is your or like how are you the right person to tell the story? I was like, you just wrote and good shit got you noticed. Now mm-hmm. it's like, but who are you inside? I was mm-hmm. like, I'm all my characters and none of my characters at the same time. But I would, you know, um, I'm definitely <laughs> I, I I write comedy adjacent stuff mm-hmm. um but genre agnostic i guess is the best way to say it mm-hmm. 
you know, another script I just recently wrote my, my newest feature slick pocket moxie is an action comedy. So it's like mm-hmm. a stylized action comedy with heart, which is mm-hmm. a lot of, so everything I write is comedy adjacent. It's, it's like, okay, that bucket list is a dramedy. Slick pocket moxie is an action comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I adopted a novel last year. It was a thriller, but it, it's got comedy and humor elements in it. And then mm-hmm. I adopted an autobiography last year in the Vietnam set in the Vietnam war. And that's got a lot of humor, kind of like good, uh, a good morning Vietnam kind of a feel to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like everything mm-hmm. I write has that humor and that comedy. And again, mm-hmm. it goes back to like, I feel like that is, you know, an important laughing and humor is probably the most real human experience we could have. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love, um, are you familiar with like, uh, Jeremy Saulnier movies like green room or blue yes. ruin? Yeah. Uh, I feel like he does a great thing in crime thrillers that actually have like some gritty violence in them and stuff, but there's always comedy. There's always like yeah. some funny moments and uh, some of it's just situational. Some of it's just ironic humor. Yeah. Um, again, like, a, Oh, of course my car would break down on a day like today. Uh, shit like that. And- but yeah, I really admire that too. I think that, um, uh, I, 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 I think that that's a really good tying together of, uh, how widespread your brand can be and your voice right. can be uh, again, genre agnostic, but you do have this one through line, which is great. For sure. Um, and it's a, it's a voice particular. Yeah. Like it's definitely yes. a, a wit, a wit and a humor that's tied in throughout. I think people can notice, Oh, okay. I see what you're writing here. Absolutely. And in the future, you know, whenever you are a, you know, with, with any luck, a more popular in-demand screenwriter, people know what they're getting. If they're thinking about a project at a Prodco, like, uh, yeah, we wanted to have this vibe and, oh, what about Nick Gambino? Cause he really right. does that, that subtle comedy that we want. Well, right. Um, right. yeah, it's, it's uh, a tying thing. It's, it's really, it really is difficult. I guess I'm just like kind of further elaborating on that for people that um it really is hard to describe your brand and you don't just have to be the horror guy or the drama guy or whatever like uh or girl you can be you know uh there can just be one like my brand the way we pitch me is uh, a lot of like midwest working class stories and they usually do have like comedy as a through line but yeah there's a number of ways that you can pitch your brand and yourself and also you can reinvent yourself at any time you want oh yeah Craig Mason was like the most popular story, you know, oh like, God, what a yeah, it's like hangover movies and it's scary movies. And then all of a sudden he's like Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then now he's like yeah. last of us. Yeah. It, that was a complete, and it's just like, <clears throat> all right, you, you could do that. Like it's, it's yeah. possible for yeah. sure. And uh, um, Jordan Peele as well. Oh my God. You know, uh, I remember another... the first time I saw the get out trailer, I was like, so is this a, a comedy? Uh-huh. Because it was like from the, from the, what does it say? From the mind of Jordan Peele, it said, I was like, and they were really prominently putting his name. And I was like, is this a long key and Peele sketch? Like, I didn't know right. what I was watching. Right. And then I was like, and then I saw it and I was like, this blew me away. And I was, but I didn't know what to, to think because he was so mad TV, key and Peele. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, but also I'm Hitchcock. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, he he's he's truly a master all of a sudden. And then um Zach Kreger more recently with Barbarian. I don't know if you ever watched Whitest Kids You Know back in the day. No. Oh yeah. No, I was thinking of White Boys. You remember that movie? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was it thinking. wasn't that. No, Sorry. but uh Whitest Kids You Know is a funny it's a funny uh old sketch comedy show from like I guess the two thousands. But um he yeah. was a prominent member and then now he's really oh, yeah. reinvented himself as this horror guy. Oh yeah, uh, one of the guys just passed away from that, right? 
Yeah, Trevor Moore. That, yeah, that's yeah. what I that's why I knew the name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was awesome. Um, so yeah, anyway. Uh so since everyone let's get more into like the writing, uh, the way that you okay. write. So since everyone's routine is unique. Could you kind of describe your regular writing routine to me? Like, are you a morning writer, night writer? Do you, you know, have to have coffee? Do you have to have alcohol? Like, what what's it usually like when you sit down to write? Okay. Night or writer, do you stand like up? Uh, yeah. Do I stand up? No, I, I, I haven't. <laughs> those are apparently are better for your back to stand up and do those. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. I, I, I feel my way through a situation. I don't know how to describe that. I I don't have, I know that I have a tool bag full of things that I know will get me into the right frame of mind to, to write, but it's not like, I'm the, I'm the opposite of somebody who likes routine. And I, that's how I've been my whole life. Like I, I don't do well in a box of like, these are my parameters to be able to be creative or to do anything. So I kind of like every day to feel different and to be different. It's why I can't work a nine to five for a corporate office job. I tried stuff like that. And they're just like, I, uh, I can't, I can't, I'm like, I'm not built for it. So same. Uh, yeah. So sometimes I write really well in the morning. Sometimes I write really well in the middle of the night. Sometimes I need a bottle of wine. Sometimes I need a cup of coffee. Sometimes I just need a seltzer. Sometimes like I, mm-hmm. I'm so different and it's just, I basically like, okay, where am I at? What do I need? Mm-hmm. And then provide those things that I need. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a good answer to your question. It is though. It's going to validate many people. Uh, I'm sort of similar. I I like writing in the morning, but lately I've been doing 10 to like 1130 at night, like right before bed for some reason, which is great to stare at the blue light of electronics two inches from your face right before (laughs) bed, but it's what I've been doing. Right. Right. Well, that, that it is, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you're, you're closer to a dream state, Sometimes I find that helps. Like sometimes if I go take a nap and I wake up and I just go right, right away, or Mm -hmm. uh, that's why early morning or late at night, Mm -hmm. I feel like you kind of, or a bottle of wine, you know, Mm -hmm. you get those inhibitions, those little things that are, those little machinations kind of just drop away and you're able to just create. Definitely. Um, Yeah. I eat a bunch of acid right before I write. No, I'm just (laughs) (laughs) Just fully tripping out. Right. Uh, no, but that that makes sense. And that's awesome. And it's definitely going to validate some people out there who also have the madness. I've had writers on the show, though, who are very regimented mm-hmm. in the way that they write. And it's exactly the same time every day. And that's how they do it. A lot right. of people with very young kids will have to, you know, I have 45 minutes from 6 to 6.45 a.m. Yeah. And that's when I do it. So I do have two kids. I have a two-year-old and a seven-year-old. So, oh, shit. You're uh, in that category. Right. But I'm a freelance writer who sets his own schedule. So I, oh. and I, don't, I usually don't write nights and weekends, you know, unless mm-hmm. I'm doing something where, like I said, I'll write late at night for some reason, mm-hmm. usually when I'm really got like inspiration or I've got something I'm trying to bang out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, they, you know, they go to daycare and school and everything like that. I can set my own schedule. So I, mm-hmm. I'm able to work like during the day and write. Uh, I think people who work nine to fives and are trying to be like, okay, well, I'm either, you know, writing when I get home from work, when I also have my kids. Yeah. Or I'm waking up early to, and I understand that struggle. I, I just, yeah. again, I, I don't have that set up. Yeah, yeah luckily. for sure. Yeah, 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 it makes sense. Yeah. Um, cool. So what is your process like? Like, let's say that you have a brand new idea. Mm-hmm. What is the first thing that you're doing? Are you thinking about a title? Are you thinking about, you know, your protagonist and, oh, what are their flaws that would get them in this situation? Are you jumping right into an outline or do you just want to write page 62 of the script. Right. Like, uh, what's it like for you the minute you get an idea and you're like, that might be something. 
Right. Well, similar to my routine is I feel my way through every project. Like when I, mm-hmm. when I, 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 I have a tool bag full of things. Like I'm like, this is, um, so sometimes, uh, I'll usually have two different ideas, uh, that end up coming together, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. the title of a movie plus, you know, this character. And then mm-hmm. I go, well, what is that? And I start fleshing it out and I start, you know, I have a long notes thing. My phone is full of like thousands and thousands of writer notes. You know, I have a, yeah. I have a movie, movie ideas folder. And that thing is just like unwieldy, like how much mm-hmm. is in there. Mm-hmm. So I will, um, sometimes go through that and just sort of start pinning, like, I'll go back months and months to like things I'd written down earlier and start pinning them to the top and just go, okay, this feels like this, this new thing I'm trying to write and I kind of just bring it to the top and then I'll go through that and then go away from it for a day, go back to it and go, okay, can I rework some of this? You know, mm-hmm. what is this? Like slick pocket moxie was a, was a title I came up with in the middle of the night. I like kind of woke up this weird three words in my head. So I kind of jotted them down. And later on when I had the idea, I'd written an opening scene for something. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh my God, that title like goes perfectly with this feeling and this idea. So awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, I definitely outline, but sometimes I don't over outline. Like some people want to know, like the whole movie is figured out and worked out, but then Mm -hmm. those same people will also admit that they, uh, abandon the outline once they start writing it. So I'm like, why spend all that time? Like, you know, if I, I just want to have a general framework for it and then I want to just go in because I know every time. I pour over an outline where it's so like worked out. Mm-hmm. I'll break it anyways. When yeah. I'm writing, it yeah. doesn't really work out. So I yeah. don't over outline. I do outline, but I don't over outline. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I kind of just try to feel my way, like whatever keeps me excited about the project. That's what mm-hmm. I try to do. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm an emotional writer, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the same place. I actually, <clears throat> in the past year, really realized that, I'm just a person who won't outline much anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, if I can figure out an ending before I even start cool, that would be ideal. But right. like the thing I'm starting right now, I'm realizing that I'm writing this thing in such a way because I am winging it, uh, that right. I'm getting a lot more creative than I do when I outline, uh, as I'm writing, I'm like, Oh, here's the way the story would go in my head. So let's go left and let's right. do something bonkers and um yeah. but like not not forcing it but that feels good a big reason is like you know a lot of uh movies i've seen recently that do this but like one being um barbarian i really loved and i'm not a horror writer per se uh i don't know if you've seen it but I um, seen it yet. I'm, I'm okay i won't spoil terrible. it but it's one of those movies with a lot of left turns and it's like uh, and it's so much fun as a screenwriter to watch it because you're like wow every time i think i know where it's going it goes another way and um but uh yeah so anyway i'm really in a point right now where i'm like you know what i'm just gonna fucking freestyle this whole thing and just right. figure it out as i go and it's weird when you start getting to a level of being near professional i think it i've talked to some other writers so i know it's not just me but i got to a point where um I I felt the need to now I have to be a professional and write like a professional and behave like a professional. And it really got me in this rut in this like writer's block. And I've only recently been breaking through it and being like, you you got to the point you were at because you were doing it your way. Why would you go away from that? Once you actually got your foot in the door, why are you now saying I need to go a different direction? It's like, no, keep doing the thing that got you the little bit of success that you got. Right. Um, right. No, so it's yeah, totally it's true. silly. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, you know, once you get into that more professional start working with producers and stuff, you end up needing, they're like, I want a treatment. I want a beat sheet. I want an outline. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah, I know whatever I, whenever I do use those things, I never write treatments. I don't know anybody that does just for themselves, but mm-hmm. whenever I'm writing something, uh, you know, like that an outline or whatever, I'm not doing it for other people's consumption. So I'm like, I don't need to make it look pretty. It doesn't need to be anything. It just needs to be like a general roadmap for me. Uh, and then when, when working with producers or whatever, it's like, okay, I want this. And I'm like, Jesus, I got convinced one, one producer. I was like, let me just write the screenplay. If you don't like it, I'll rewrite the whole thing. You know what I mean? I'll change it or whatever. Like just, and and they trust me enough. Uh, and I wrote it. It was great. I was like, thank God, but I've never been convinced anybody else. Everybody else wants to know where the story's going, you know, and beyond just a couple verbal conversations. Yeah. But, that's yeah, it's weird. Um, because I was gonna say that might be something I'd try to do, which is like, I guarantee you, I will give you a more textured product if you let me write the script. Yeah, like, just let me the, go. yeah, there's shit that uh, again with this latest script of being like, all right, I'm abandoning all that preconceived notion that I have to outline to be a right. professional. I'm going back to what I used to do when I had no pressure. I didn't think this thing was going to do anything. And I was just writing and it always comes out. I need to get in there and let the characters start talking to each other mm-hmm. to really start figure out figuring out what's going on in this story. Um, it, it's, you know, corny and cliche writer thing to say that, you know, the characters just start talking. And they, but right. in a sense, they do uh, sometimes. Sure. And like, you know, I can't just in the outline stage say, well, this is this person. This is what wound that they had when they were young. And that's why they are the way that I need to get in there and let them speak and start finding right. the person that I actually know in my life who I can sort of relate this character to now. And once you find that and let them find their voice, then you're off to the races. At least I am. Uh, yeah, anyway, for sure. <laughs> uh, let's uh, go into on average, about how long do you think it takes you to write a first draft? Like, I have this idea, putting pen to outline, putting pen to script, whatever. Um, the minute you start writing till that you have a first draft in hand, how long on average okay. do you think? I'm a pretty fast writer. Mm-hmm. Um, the my, my most recent one, Slick Pocket Moxie, was three weeks. Wow. Um, Beginning yeah. to end, I have this idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's incredible. And, and even, yeah, that was first draft, and it's... Um, it even just pl- placed in uh, as a quarter finalist in big break on that oh, first draft. Sh- oh yeah. shit. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, we'll see. It might n- nosedive from there, but it was That's cool. You know, the same week to win yeah. To win Austin and then also get it like a, the big break, you know, and that was just yeah. me going, okay, there's no other contest deadlines coming out. I just want to put something. Yeah, I want to see where slick, you know, will place. I was just so curious. Cause I just finished it. I loved it. It's so mm-hmm. bad shit. It's so mm-hmm. off the wall. It, it was meant to cut through the noise. It was meant to just be insane from page one to page 97. So, uh, yeah, so a place and that one took me three weeks and then yeah. I, you know, just, and that it was actually in pretty good shape after that first draft. Cause I don't know about you, but I, I go back and I kind of rewrite every day. I sort of just, yeah. I, some people just won't, won't look back and the next day I kind of have to go back and just clean it up and do a seamless transition to the next stuff same i do the same yeah yeah so first draft right i think it's good no i think it's good uh well at least for me but it's it's the first draft ends up being in better shape Mm -hmm. it's not it's not it's it's more than a vomit draft yeah usually yeah 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 Yeah, my first drafts i feel like are tend to be probably a little further along than some writers who just power through 
Right. But um, also, my first drafts take me a minute, usually. Um, okay. Maybe this next one might go quick because um, I haven't been this inspired or felt like I had such a firm understanding of what the thing is going to be uh, right. so early on. I haven't had that in quite a while. So who knows? Maybe this one will go quicker. I'm trying to really bang it out as fast as I can while the muse is still like yeah, you know, it's awesome. really there and uh, there's momentum to it. Uh, another thing with like, you know, having this script that's moving along through development is, uh, all year long, every time I start to get momentum on a new project, uh, a set of notes come back on this project and I need to make that my priority and get those implemented. Right. Uh, so it's just been another, uh, rough learning curve of entering the professional realm is that like, oh, well get used to it. Right. You know, Cause that's right. going to be happening to you all the time. If you're fortunate enough to still have shit going on right and also you'll Uh, have several several like a bunch of different things so it's going to be you know five ten times worse than this exactly that's just the gig gig, but it's a good good problem to have definitely yeah 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 so that's been a tough learning curve for me but also like yeah i have to look at it uh you know the glass is half full this is a great situation right um cool so yeah pretty quick first writer uh or first draft writer uh, so whenever that first draft is complete, I know you sent this last one in a big break, but is that something you normally do? Like, what's the first thing you usually do when you type the end? Is it like put it away for a little bit, um, send it to trusted peers, um, maybe like a paid feedback service? What do you usually do? Yeah, so I've never used a paid feedback service. Um, uh-huh. I usually uh, send it out to friend, writer friends, mm-hmm. you know, like J- Jason Gruich, who. who Kind of the one who suggested set this we up. up. Yeah, yeah set, set up this date. Yeah, he's a very <laughs> close. He's he's uh, so you know we kind of read each other's first drafts on everything. So he mm-hmm. was the guy. He was my accountability partner. I was like, I have this new thing. Uh, it was like all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to do this thing, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to give you a page count every day. That like at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you how many pages I wrote that day. And so he was like in my mind, he was just like, so I was like. Uh, every day I would text them 10 pages, 17 pages, 13 pages, 12 pages, mm-hmm. 15 pages. And like every day, even if it was just going into the ether and he wouldn't answer, I just wanted to make sure I had somebody there. So he, he reads the first draft, a uh, few other writer friends. I kind of get, try to get a sort of consensus feedback, mm-hmm. um, which was slick. That wasn't very helpful because everybody had different notes and there was no consistent note, you know? Mm-hmm. So, which, which is, which yeah. is always fun. You know, it's similar to, producer notes, contradictory or whatever. And I was like, well, yeah. you guys aren't any fucking help. <laughs> you yeah. know, like one yeah. person's like, I like this thing. And somebody else is like, I do not like this thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, and then there's no, no consistency. So, yeah. but either way I go out to, to people with, it, um, never do, uh, coverage services, uh, through this one slick on the blacklist for the first time, like pay for those evals, just seeing keeps getting seven, sevens across the boards, but a couple yeah. production companies have found it off there. I've got a, a general with a, um, a production company this week and meeting with the head of the production company next week based on blacklist. Oh, so I was like, okay, maybe so you don't need a manager, man. Right. Well, that's what people <laughs> you're, have been telling me. Killing it. <laughs> that's what people have been telling me. Like you're creating your own generals, you're getting your own jobs. I'm yeah. like, I know, I know. But eventually yeah. like, it's just easier when you have somebody who could put, you know, help you get into a room like, yeah. you know, because it's, I, I, I need exponential growth. Like I need, I need it to be a lot more. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it it, it yeah. is a huge help. It's going to be yeah. awesome. I'm not if, making if, a living yet. Right, right. And if nothing else, too, it's just, you know, it's like having an employee working for you. Um, You know, it's just 
time that you don't have to spend pursuing these sure. uh, things. They just kind of come to you. You know, you just exactly. get an email or whatever, like, hey, general, you know, or right. whatever. Uh, exactly. Pretty cool. That's, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so. um, yeah, that's uh that's cool. Also, you know, shout out Jason Gruich. Thank you for setting this up. And uh you're you're up soon. You're up maybe next. Yeah, yeah. He's got some he's got some hot shit cooking. That yeah, guy's oh, an incredible writer. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. yeah that guy's oh, an incredible I've, writer. I've heard about his writing. I haven't read it yet, but I've I've heard it the same. Crazy. Like it's yeah. inspiring. Yeah. It's inspiring. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to tell. Very humble dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you wouldn't guess it. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've heard about, uh, him out there killing it. So, um, let me see where I'm at here. Okay. So we kind of talked about this, but I'd, I'd love to hear you elaborate a little, uh, what is your day job? So you said freelance writer, you're doing some stuff for any procos. Are you doing any kind of like prose writing or writing like, you know, articles? Like what, what, what is your freelance life looking like? Yeah. So I, I, I write kind of, uh, across the spectrum of writing. I, I write articles, you mm-hmm. know, lots of, lots of articles. I write for a, a paid programming show on AMC. Mm-hmm. So I write all their scripts. Um, oh, cool. I get different contracts with different, you know, clients change out. I get big ones, small ones, whatever, but it's, it's, uh, video scripts and articles are kind of, I guess, you know, very little Red, copywriting. Copywri- yeah. Yeah. I've done some yeah. copywriting, but mainly it's that stuff. Um, yeah. And I've been trying to, you know, keep it in the storytelling, you know, so it's like, I, mm-hmm. I go, okay, so I could just go get more clients that are doing articles and video scripts and YouTube stuff. And then I was like, or I could go find another production company who will pay me to write stories. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm, I'm, I'm writing for an indie game company right now, all their cutscenes for, you know, for the game. Um, Oh. coming out next year. So like that, that was really cool. So I was like, okay, yeah. that's kind of what I've done. I've, I've been like, okay, I need more clients. I need another client or whatever. And like, well, let me try to find the stuff I like writing and just yeah. kind of fill my, my day job with screenwriting. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I can relate in a different sense in that I do wedding videography and editing mm-hmm. the wedding films as a day job. Yeah. Uh, Want to be a director, <laughs> you know, nice. uh, of well, narrative film. Uh, yeah, good. and it's it's a little bit like that, but it's also different, you know. But it's in the realm at least. Uh, it's got, it keeps the muscle going, I think. You know what I mean? Does. Like, there's something about that. Like, some people like I can't write for a day job and then write creatively, and I'm like, I don't feel that way. I feel like it keeps me. I got. I'm a better screenwriter because I became a freelance writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For- that's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I've gotten better just at um, some certain aspects of cinematography and stuff from doing weddings, uh, that can be applied to narrative. Uh, I just knew that I should throw myself into working in something adjacent of the film field rather than being, uh, you know, waiting tables still, which no hate against waiting tables. It's actually really good, quick money. Uh, it's actually a really fucking great job for a lot of starving artists. You know, uh, you can go work your shift at a restaurant and then leave work and forget about it. It's out of your mind. Go focus on your own stuff. Uh, it's good for that. You don't have to take your work home with you. Right. Um, however, yeah, I I can relate. And, uh, that that's cool. That's interesting. I'm always so interested by writers day jobs who haven't made writing their full profession yet. Like narrative, Mm -hmm. you know, screenwriting, screenwriting. 
Um, yeah, it, it's just so fascinating. And then I'm also incredibly jealous every time I have a Saeed Crumpler on or someone like that who just uh, signed a multi-year deal with Sony. Right, uh, right. Which, and also, I mean, he knows uh, I'm super happy for him. But I'm like, man, I can't wait till I have any kind of income from uh, right. screenwriting from doing my dream. Uh, but we're we're on the path. And everybody listening, you know, it's just literally sitting down in the chair and just continuing to do it day after yeah. day and good things happen. Yeah. Um, for sure. So, uh, that's cool. What are your hobbies outside of screenwriting that help keep you saying you sound like a very busy dude? Yeah. Um, so hobby. So it's funny. Cause I knew you were going to ask that question and I was like, Oh shit, I don't have any hobbies. Like, yeah, I just, everyone I does about that. that. <laughs> right. And I was like, that's, yeah. is that just something that happens when you hit your mid to late thirties? Like you stop having hobbies. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've got yeah. kid, I, I got kids. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making an old, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing a puzzle. That's like a project that's creating a projector out of wood or something. Like, what? I don't know. No, it's not as cool as it sounds. It's like a kit I got and it's like, and yeah. then it comes with this old film strip. And once you actually make it, you can like play it on your wall. That so sounds like, pretty fucking rad. It is rad. It is yeah, rad. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so just I'm admit doing, it. <laughs> just admit it's that it's rad. cool. It's fucking rad. Uh, <laughs> So I'm like, I'm doing that, but I, I, you know, I used to, for, for my whole life, it was like, what's your hobby? Like when I was a kid, you could find these in little reports at school. It's like watching movies. That was always yeah. my thing. You know, I yeah. remember Robocop, Robocop three came out and they were like, why don't you do a book report? And I did a book report on Robocop three. Amazing. And uh, yeah. So like, that's was always my thing was watching movies. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, screenwriting would be my hobby and my aspiring profession. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would say. Like, that's the thing that I'm doing, but I'm trying to make my hobby, my career. Exactly. Yeah. I think that yeah. so many writers I bring on this show, they're like my hobby, that this, what we're talking about right. for the last hour, that's my hobby. That's what right. I try to do as much as possible outside right. of life responsibilities. Um, yeah, I feel it though. And I totally think movies are a hobby. Um, a lot of people say that, and you know, if I'm, not actively watching a movie like you know if i'm just on youtube or something i i end up drifting over to like a film criticism video or something by right. someone i can tolerate you know yeah. not some asshole yeah. but um there, there's there's some good film critics shout out um chris stuckman i always i like chris stuckman a lot stuckman. um and weirdly our friend joe marino is actually like real life friends with him um oh is he yeah 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 and this dude uh has like fucking i don't i don't even want to shortchange him but a ton yeah. of subscribers on youtube and he does these wow. cool film criticisms and uh he's a big horror guy i like that but he's very fair in all his assessments and definitely pro filmmaker always trying to build people up and he his directorial debut is coming out like maybe next year he got to make a feature wow. film uh as a director so uh and i really have a lot of um I hope things go really well for him because as a multi years long film critic, now you're making a movie. There are going to be right. so many people on the internet waiting to pounce on you and say, <laughs> right. the sea is hard. So yeah. I really hope that he knocks it out of the park. Cause he seems yeah. like a really good dude. Um, for sure. And, and that's like, some yeah. people transition really well. Like uh, Roger yeah. Ebert did not transition very well until filmmaker, but uh, Carghill, um, uh, Robert Howard. What's his fucking name? Um, uh, a film yeah, critic? Writer of Black, no, the writer of Black Phone. The writer of Black Phone. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Cargill. Uh, Cargill. Yeah, 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 it is Robert A. Cargill. But there's an initial in there. God, I'm such an asshole. There is, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. one of 26 letters. I know that. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Robert yeah, Z. Uh, Cargill. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is... 
C. Robert Car- Carhill. Cargill. Okay. C. Robert. So it starts with an initial. Oh, and I that's, think it's a yeah. very writerly thing to do. Yeah, and it throws yeah. me off every single time. Yeah. Um, anyways, he used to be a film critic. He used to. That's what he oh, used wow. to do. Yeah, before know he transitioned. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I think you know, for him, it's it's work. I mean, Black Phone was amazing. I, I haven't uh, seen Black Phone, but oh, I fucking it's... love Sinister. And I yeah. like, I dude, Sinister. I need to just. Well, I'm gonna watch Black Phone tonight. I'm just gonna it's fucking so rent it. Yeah. yeah, everyone's it saying like, it. Uh, I love Ethan Hawke. So yeah, yeah, it's it was fantastic. Um, cool. Anyway, so yeah, film and back up Joe Marino. Uh, mm-hmm. Also a finalist against me in the same category. Yeah, uh, in Austin, which is crazy. Great writer, I have read yeah. his work. Yeah, he's awesome. He's fantastic. He, yeah, he was a finalist with the sickness, which was incredible, incredible script. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, me and that dude. He's he's such a friendly dude. I, I've noticed that he really is um, friends with a lot of writers on Twitter. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we would hop on Zooms and just talk about movies, and like, yeah. dude, we would talk for like fucking four hours, and it didn't feel right. like it at all. Like, I can talk about movies all day with that dude. Yeah, my um, last Zoom Zoom guy. with him was almost five hours, and I was like, was what it? happened? Yeah, okay, so it's like, not just you. Yeah. No, I was like, Joe, you're yeah. a black hole. What happened? <laughs> yeah. But, and 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 Austin, he was like here and there, and he was organizing, getting people. Like after I my, I won, and we were in the Driscoll Bar, he just started pulling chairs together, bringing other winners in, and just like he like paid for drinks and food and everything. And oh, you know, man, him and Dave awesome. Williams were just like buying stuff. It was, it was yeah. yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, two uh, great dudes. Shout out Dave Williams too, yeah. um, former guest. Okay, so of the scripts that you've written, which is your favorite and why? Oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so I went there. You you went there. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, my most, most recent thing, which I think is the best thing I've ever written, but I think we are, tend to do that with our newest stuff. We do. So, yeah. But it, but it is like, it was, it was meant to be dynamite in your lap. Like that was the idea, you know, or grenade. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Uh, and I was really like, holy shit, I really r- wrote the hell out of this thing. And that's Slick mm-hmm. Pocket Moxie. Slick Pocket Moxie. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the fuck it list is near and dear to my heart, you mm-hmm. know? So, and and the fact that it's now one at Austin, that's crazy mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and that one's very personal. Like I, I, I started writing it when my mom was dying of cancer. So it's got like a lot of that shit being worked out in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a comedy pie. I'm, I'm now I'm just answering you with like three. Uh, no, no, please, a, please do. Yeah. I have a half hour pilot, which is, uh, basically veep in a Catholic church in hell's kitchen, you know, or, or awesome. it's always, it's always sunny in a, in a Catholic church. Oh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. So, so that one is, I love that. That was actually a second rounder, almost a semifinalist at Austin this year as well. Oh, nice. And, yeah, that one I just it's something about it because that one is straight comedy. Like I was like, okay, let me let me just make this one all about the laughs and the craziness. Yeah, and let me make it. It's basically about a faithless priest who's running mm-hmm. a fledgling church in Hell's Kitchen and trying to navigate his way through scandal mm-hmm. uh, to, to just just to save his own image. Like he's just like yeah. that. Everybody in it's shitty. And I, I was like, I just want to write about shitty people. Yeah, and just make it funny, uh, which yeah. is why it's like it's like it's always sunny or. Um, so the, I would say those three things are like for different reasons. I they're like my favorites. Yeah, love it, man. Those all sound so good. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, you're 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 about to blow up. I can feel it. Um, you got a lot of good ideas and a lot Don't of. Don't jinx me. All right. Don't I jinx mean, me. I can Andy. just fucking close this laptop right now and delete. What this do you thing. have? Like, what do you have? Yeah. What do you have? Like ten million listeners? Now you just jinx <laughs> me because you just put it out to the. Not that many. Not that close. Nine mil. 
Um, Dude, I, I ran a podcast for almost 200 episodes of movie podca- podcasts. Mm-hmm. It, it's a grind. I did it every week for th- over three years. Never wow. missed a week. Wow. Oh, yeah. Man, I, I started this out as being bi-weekly. Yeah. And uh, you are episode 21 since last year. The math, don't try to do the math. The math doesn't okay. add up. I, I've taken some weeks <laughs> off. And uh, okay. yeah, as, as I got further into it, um, it became a thing of like, you know, I, this can't cut into my screenwriting too much. Like, right. uh, cause I'm doing all my day job shit and then I have yeah. life to attend to. I'm also trying to direct and make short films. And that's like a whole lot of work, um, pre-production sure. and stuff. And then I also need to do this. So like, yeah, I've been hoping to get to a point where someday, like I have advertisers that can make it like financially, you know, yeah. worth it. But for right. now it's just for the love of the game, for the love of screenwriting awesome. Twitter, you know, that's awesome. I got to get back. Oh, no, thank you. But like, yeah, dude, it's, it it is a grind for sure. But yeah, I mean, we'd be lying. I'm sure your film podcast too. We'd be lying if we said it wasn't fun too. It was so much fun. Yeah. Like anytime we, 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 we started recording to the end was just like that time just spent talking movies and we had guests on, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. we, we find like creators of our favorite films growing up, like, you know, uh, rad was a big movie for me the BMX biking movie from 86. Uh-huh. was big so i found like the guy who played crew jones in that movie bill allen had him on the podcast we no had the, way yeah yeah we had the That's director amazing. Of flight of the navigator and greece the director of those movies and uh it was just it was great holy shit that's awesome um can people yeah. listen to this yeah so it's it's still up i, I mean, still i still pay the hosting fee to keep it up it's uh yeah. i mean again it's it's get to the movies but it's get and then the number two the movies okay. get yeah, to the movies uh, yeah yeah it's the pandemic certain unnamed pandemic shuttered uh-huh. shuttered the podcast because we were always okay. three of us and we always like to be in a room and we didn't want to do it without that energy yeah. so um we just kind of never got back to it yeah i feel you yeah yeah okay so what's a this is a dumb question now because of your week but what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of uh <laughs> could be screenwriting related but doesn't have right. to be um <clears throat> Uh, well, yeah, I guess I, I, I won the drama feature category. The only uh, answer. Yeah. Yeah. And Jim Hart, you know, delivered it. Uh, and he was, you know, he's a guy who wrote contact and hook and August rush and everything. Oh and he's God. the one and he made some jokes. He did a great intro. And then he's, he says, Nick Gambino for the bucket list. And I was like, this is amazing. Like it was just yeah. such a cool moment. And like Steven merchant was there in the audience. So I had to give a speech in front of Steven merchant. I'm so glad Darren Aronofsky and James Gray, who were also in the audience, had already stepped out by the time <sighs> I went up to get it. And I was like, thank fucking God. Like, I really didn't yeah. want them to be there because Darren Aronofsky looking at you, James Gray looking at you, and Stephen Merchant. And there was other ones like Liz Hanna was there and the, the writer of uh, uh, The Whale was there. Yeah. And I was like, like I don't need all this pressure. So no. it, was, it, was, it was a very cool moment, though. Um, yeah. And I really looking at it as like a springboard. Like, it's definitely not... It's it's a bit of an attaboy, but it's like, you know, there's a lot more. Uh, yeah. I'm basically using it and trying to capitalize off it and just kind of move into the next phase. No, for career. sure. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's what I did when I placed in the nickel uh, kind of high was I just knew I need to ride this wave for all that it has to offer right now because right. it's going to come to a close in a couple months. And the heat dies off. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily, I was able to do my only goal was I need to walk out of this with a manager. And yep. it happened. So that was That's a good awesome. use. So you reached that. 
Yeah, I yeah. try to tell people who are have any kind of heat, you know, from winning a contest or placing high in the nickel or placing high in Austin. Austin is one of those right. festivals too that's so prestigious that being a semifinalist is a big deal. Yeah, um, just even semifinalists, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I always try to like tell people if I can, um, if yeah. I have the chance to, like, yeah, try to think of it in that way of like, okay, now time is ticking on this uh momentum and you need to yeah. make the most of it. I hit the ground running this week. As soon as I got back, um, yeah. I, I, in my mind, I went, I have one week of heat, you know what I mean? And hopefully mm-hmm. it's longer than that. But I went, if I think of it that way, then yeah. I'll get, and I just started sending out emails, handling it. A lot of people were reaching out to me and I was just like, I was on top of it and I am exhausted. Like, yeah. I, like I said, I did it. I did it hard in Austin. Every time I go to yeah. Austin, the, these writer nerds, like we really, party hard. It's, you know, I get little sleep, yeah. drinking a lot, uh, back to back networking. And then I came back and all I wanted to do was sleep for a week. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I'm, yeah. I'm tired. I look like death. Um, yeah. No, you know. well, you look good. You, you've given a great interview. So like, yeah, you're still killing it. Don't be too hard well, on that's, yourself. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as a parting gift, uh, what are some words of advice that you would give to fellow screenwriters out there, especially to those who are just getting started? Um, well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, I guess there's advice, there's business advice, but I'm like, I'm still on the journey. Just like, you know, we're all still Mm -hmm. doing that. So I I don't want to be pretentious and sort of like, I only know my own experience, right? Like I I only know what I've done. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think from a craft point of view, I think there's a lot of rules that go around and Mm -hmm. I think we've all become a little bit more aware of the fact that rules are bullshit when it comes Mm -hmm. to creating and writing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously make it coherent, but I think the only real cardinal sin is don't, you know, is making something boring. Like you can't be boring. Like Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to make it interesting and it has to start from page one. And if you could do it line one, you know, right mm-hmm. away, it has to be something that grabs them and don't mm-hmm. consider that whatever you think is interesting is what's actually going to be interesting. And mm-hmm. I know it's a hard thing to like, it's kind of get outside of your own head and go, well, somebody else find this interesting. Cause we tend to be a little bit egotistical or self-centered or mm-hmm. narcissistic to think that things that we have to say, somebody's going to give a shit about, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like getting a point of view of like other people have their lives and their experiences. And how can you somehow make this thing universally interesting not just you yeah i i don't know how how a better way to word that but no it's a great great yeah yeah it's something i've been trying to do a lot is like okay i'm not going to just take it for granted because i wrote words on a page that makes it interesting i have Mm -hmm. to break through i have to break through the fact that whoever's reading this might have read a thousand other screenplays and you know just go oh my god another interesting way to talk about the water trickling down the brook that's steaming off the you know and it's like okay that people write in very interesting prose ways, but I don't know that that's enough. Um, you have to, you have to, I don't know. You gotta, it's gotta be cranked up a notch. It's gotta be like this other thing where you're like, how can I make this unforgettable? How it mm-hmm. won't just, you know, fall into the ethers or whatever. And I don't know that I've accomplished that, but that is something I think with constantly. How do I make it all interesting? How do I make it? And I'll do it in the rewrite, you know, I'll go through and remove, anything that's trite or, or boring and try to flip it to unique and interesting, you know, and that's, I think a really important thing. And I think I didn't realize that early on. 
I thought I could just do the typical, oh, a guy wakes up by the alarm clock and yeah. then he brushes his teeth. And I was like, you yeah. could just set the scene for a while. I'm like, you can't, you can't set the scene. You need to like sledgehammer to your face, first page, first line, if you can. And yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, so I think that's, you know, from a craft point of view. And then otherwise, if you really are passionate about this and give a shit, please don't give up. You know, it's, yeah. I know sometimes people are like, sometimes it's for your mental health, give up. And I'm like, I get it. But if you're going to regret that later, I don't know if that's, you know, take your break, take care of your mm -hmm. mental health, go for walks, do whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, don't beat yourself up. But also if you really, really want it, why not stick it out? Right. And find what you love about it. And keep that thing that you love about it. You know, like yeah. you were saying, you're going back to the way you were creating before. And that's probably way more fulfilling. It is. Yeah. 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 Totally. I think that if you want it bad enough, you will yeah. persist. And if you don't want it enough, then yeah, you might wind up quitting and that's literally like, and that's fine. If that's, if that's you, if, if you have other things that you would rather be doing, the people who stick it out are the ones crazy enough to be like, there's nothing else that I want right. more. This is all right. I want. So I will do whatever I have to do to get to this right. dream. And yeah, it's tough, but um, it's also really fulfilling. If you can make this a career, then, you know, your childhood self will be like, we do what for money. That's amazing. <laughs> right. You know, Cause like our parents worked at a factory or whatever, you know, like something yeah. that they, uh, and what, you know, some people are fulfilled by just working a regular job, but like, if you're a weird artsy person like us, then yeah, it's, they, they can be soul sucking. Um, sure. and going back to what you said too, like, yeah, you know, that old adage of like, you know, you have 10 pages to get them hooked. Right. I argue it's one. Oh, for sure. You These know, days. it's one. These days yeah. Especially. Yeah. In yep. the internet age of yeah, yeah. short attention spans. Yeah. I think it's yep. gone, you know, went from 10 that people were saying five and now it's one. And sometimes it's yep. like the first line. Um, yeah. yeah, because you know, 2020 people really is like the, the number of people trying to make screenwriting a thing, I think really just exploded. Yeah. Um, you know, cause people went yeah. inside and they were like, well, I've always loved this and maybe I can give this a shot now, which is great. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people went online. So they found communities. Like I, I got connected up with screenwriting Twitter like the first week or two of the lockdown Me with too. the pipeline right writers thing on Friday. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. was, and that, that was like something I always wanted and I tried it in different ways on Facebook and maybe Reddit. And this is very, so way I could never find like my tribe and, and yeah. I was like screenwriting Twitter, just, it really kind of came together. And I think a lot of people found inspiration from that. Some people like newly were like, Oh, I could make this a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, first page, I think you have your first page to, to really make something click. Definitely. All right. Well, I love that we ended this on the first page discussion. <laughs> That's kind of like uh, opposites meet. But right. um, yeah, dude, uh, Nick, this has been great. Uh, so fascinating talking to you. So happy for all your success. I think it looked Thank like you. everybody on Twitter was just so thrilled for you. And uh, yeah, man, I see bright things in your future. Hopefully one day I can bring you back on and you'll be in a whole nother level. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that sounds amazing. This was great. Uh, I love you, Andy. Like I think yeah. you on Twitter, by the way, like, I think you're like one of my favorite people there. I like oh, almost everything. Your specific brand of humor. Like I'm like, I, I click into it. It's, it's, it's good. Oh, it's like, there's something much. about it that like, I, I feel like you've nailed like a tone, like you have a brand and it, it's kind of my sensibility. Oh, thank you so much, dude. It means a lot. Yeah. All right, y'all. That's it. 
Episode 22 is in the books. I want to thank Nick Gambino for coming on the show. Great dude. I felt like we really clicked. Uh, He's my homie now. Uh, And I can't wait to see what happens. Like, honestly, I wonder what's going on with him right now, a week after we talked, because he definitely had some momentum come in in the form of, you know, meetings, generals, things like that. So uh, really exciting stuff. Guys, if you like this episode, uh, say something about it on Twitter or Instagram or Mastodon or TikTok or MySpace or whatever. Um, At Social Writer Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you know, say something that you liked, say something I said that was stupid, say something Nick said was smart, um, anything really, I just like the feedback, and if you want to donate to the show, you can do that at the Linktree link in our social media, at Social Writer Pod on Instagram and Twitter, there's a Linktree link in our bio, click it, there's a PayPal link, click that, and then you just gotta donate, there's no more, uh, links to click. Uh, and I appreciate it. Anything you can give, you know, it just helps me a lot. Uh, it's just very time. Uh, it, it's demanding to do this show by myself. So, uh, but I do have a great time doing it. So, um, if you can, cool. If you don't have any money right now, no big deal. I uh, hope you enjoy the show anyway, guys. That's it for me. Um, I hope that you're all. One day I'm gonna come up with like a true outro that I repeat every time instead of winging it the way that I do right now. Uh, but it's, you know, what I, a lot of times I say, you know, get some writing done, uh, go make a, a cool title for your screenplay and a cool font and Photoshop, you know, word nerds like that. Um, go, go treat yourself to something, go buy yourself some ice cream. Um, if you're lactose intolerant, go buy yourself something that doesn't have lactose. (laughs) Um, And uh, that's it for me, guys. Uh, I will see you soon. Uh, Bye-bye. The Social Screenwriters Podcast.